0: Today's show is going to bring you hope. Hello and welcome to the Strong Tower Mental Health Podcast Show. I'm really excited to have with me Heather and Michael Norgren. Hi, Hi. thanks for having us. Heather and Michael have a company called Triggered and their website is triggered.app. And this is specifically for any type of addiction. I'm going to have them talk about their company and what they are doing, but I'm really having them on here today to share their story because their story is what is really powerful and it's very common. I think a lot of people struggle with what they struggled with and feel a lot of shame and don't know how to talk about it. I'm very excited that they are vulnerable and open and really just have this redeeming story of hope from pain. So Heather and Michael, go ahead. I'd love for you to share your story and even share the symptoms and what was going on for you when things were not good. And then we'll also talk about what God did as well.
1: Well, Heather and I, our relationship started in high school. I was 17 years old and I met this lady at the restaurant that I worked at. She was a waitress. I was a cook. And from the first time I saw her, I just fell in love and it was different for her. She didn't quite feel those same feelings towards me. <laughs> I found out that she had a one-year-old daughter at the time. Uh, so she was 18 and I was 17. She had looked at me like, there's no way that you'd be worried take on me and my daughter and all of this baggage is what she was mm-hmm. thinking in her head. But inside, uh, I just always wanted to start a family at a young age. And so after relentless pursuit and three months of waiting for her to finally give me a call back, she gave me a chance. And here we are with two teenage daughters now and on this journey I'm together.
2: Wow. So really, the story starts when we are teenagers, but really the bulk of why we're here is just really all the pain that we've been drugged through, but there's obviously so many branches to that main tree that God has grown. But really it started, the truth had come out about Michael's issue with pornography when we were engaged. There was that moment of discovery from me and it kind of started with, he knew it was a problem, but didn't know how big a problem it was.
1: So my story with pornography actually begins when I was five years old. I had my first encounter with a porn magazine. I remember very clearly I was sitting on the floor of my father's bedroom, and I found underneath his nightstand some Playboys. And I remember that moment so vividly, kind of like an external view of of me sitting on the floor looking at this magazine not even knowing what it was that i was looking at but it burned into my mind these memories uh, shortly after i was probably seven or eight i had some neighbor boys bring me over to their house and they put in some porn vhs's that they had found of their parents and i remember as a seven eight year old boy seeing porn vhs's for the first time and again not fully understanding what it was but knowing the secrecy because they had told me don't tell anybody what you saw and what i showed you a little while later those same teenage boys convinced me to call a a good friend of mine who was a girl um, a neighbor at my grandma's house and ask her if she would have sex with me and again not knowing what that was i left a voicemail on her home family's voice messaging machine and her parents got that voicemail and I lost a really good friend that day and I lost that friendship. It just continued happening. When I was nine or 10, I had a neighbor girl. We were playing in the backyard in the tent and she asked me if I would have sex with her. I said no. She continued to insist, well, what if we get it with clothes on, all these kind of things. And it was very uncomfortable and awkward situation in which I managed to get out of that situation. But as I look back now on all of this brokenness, I'm seeing all the ways that the enemy tried to prepare me for what would later become a strong bondage in mm. my life, in a stronghold. When I became a teenager, that's when this became a stronghold for me. Mm. I was introduced to pornography on the internet the first time by a really good friend that I went to youth group with. And I had some other good friends who showed me their parents or their father's uh, magazines. I found magazines in his grandpa's shed. My stepdad had magazines in his thing. And although being raised in the church, I heard continuously, pornography is wrong and sexual immorality is wrong. Don't do that. I was seeing everyone around me was doing it and they were just keeping it secret. So I bought onto this lie that everyone does it. It's okay as long as you keep it secret. And as long as you keep it hidden, I knew in the deepest part of me that it was wrong and what I was doing was wrong. So as a teenager, after youth group, there would be a convicting message. I would go home and I'd just weep because I wanted to break free from my sexual addiction. I wanted to break free from pornography. I just couldn't. It had a hold on me. And anytime I was feeling alone, anytime I was feeling bored, anytime I was feeling scared, it was kind of one of those coping mechanisms I always went back to. I told myself that once I get married, this thing will go away. I think that's another big lie that we all believe.
0: Can you share with me? Because I know that. In the secular world, people who are not in Christian circles listening will be like, oh my gosh, he's just kind of a, he just doesn't know who he is. And this is normal and this is healthy and this is okay. Could you just speak to that, Michael? How did you see that this was a problem versus? this is the way that God made me and this is natural and this is okay.
1: Absolutely. In the past four years, Heather and I have really been trying to understand what these things do to us, what sexual addiction does to us, what pornography does to us. And I used to view it as just a moral issue, something of religion, you know, it was wrong. But once I understand that it was a lot deeper than just religion and the difference between righteous and unrighteous. And it was something that God has instructed us to do these things because there is a scientific reason it's not valuable. I found myself not knowing how to deal with stress in life. I found myself not being able to focus and concentrate on whether it was schoolwork or work or relationships. I had no relationships or close relationships with my friends just because I couldn't engage in those conversations long enough. And so I found myself not knowing how to deal with life. And all of that stems from this. This need to escape from stress, from emotion, from whatever, and find an outlet in something like pornography.
0: Brene Brown actually has a name for it. It's called offloading hurt. We have baggage and we have all this burdens that are not ours to carry. They're actually God's to receive. I see this is one of the ways that you were choosing to offload hurt. I want to bring this in. When you talk about porn, it's porn and masturbation, correct? Absolutely. You're, okay. That's another thing that I think people in the church can get really confused about. And people have actually written lots of books about this, that, well, it's normal. It's okay. Can you speak to that as well? Because you're talking about porn before, but even bringing the masturbation that people would say that it's just natural. It's okay. It's the way that God made our body. Can you speak to that?
1: I can. There was a period in my life as well, where I was trying to abstain from pornography. And I thought, well, if I abstain from pornography, maybe I can just masturbate instead of using pornography and those kind of things. And ultimately it was doing the same thing for me. It was helping me escape from those things I was overwhelmed about. I was offloading those burdens. So I was trying to find a physical release from something I actually needed to deal with in my life and so i found that whether it's pornography or masturbation or both they were both escape mechanisms to get away from what i was having to deal with and i needed to face the pain and deal with those things rather than run away from them
0: ultimately this is about how god designed us and if we're going to veer off from what he designed us even though it might feel good a little bit in the moment we are actually going more towards darkness and we're going to want more darkness. So you're going to want more porn or more masturbation or more of whatever it is. And then you're not functioning in life. You're, you're not able to think as well. So it's like the spiral into all these dark things, because the root of who you are and the root of how you've designed is from God. Even if we're trying and it feels good in the moment, it's not what's actually going to bring real fruit and real lasting fruit. Right. Thank you for sharing that. So go ahead and continue on with, now you're married, you have this beautiful wife, and we're continuing this issue in a marriage.
1: So I met Heather when I was a teenager. And at that time, I got excited thinking that, well, I finally have a woman now. We're going to get married, pursue life with each other. My porn addiction will just go away. I thought it was something that once I engaged in a physical relationship and sexual relationship, that it would just disappear. And, and that was not the case. Even we entered into premature sex before we got married. So that was something that we both brought our own dysfunctional views of what sex looked like into our relationship. I was still acting out with pornography. Heather did not know about that. And I remember when she first found out she had come home and saw some pop-ups on the computer. And I came home from work and she was gone and those pop-ups were up and my heart just sank because i knew i've been exposed and she knows i wasn't upset with myself i was more upset that i got caught remember i was super angry i headbutted the wall Uh, again i didn't know at the time how to deal with these emotions and these stress so it came out in anger anger releases the same dopamine in our brain that addictions does and so i started realizing that Anger is also a problem of mine, and I promised her I'll stop, I'll be done with this, that was not the case. After we got married, it continued to happen, and what we would call this relapse cycle continued to happen, where I would start slipping into these old ways, these old patterns and it would grow back up to a, a full relapse watching porn and you know, falling back into that and then have their finding out months later that i've been doing it again and it would just be brokenness again i'd say i'm going to get better And it would be the same pattern. And it went on for eight years of our marriage, 10 years of our relationship. It was the same cycle
2: over and over again. For me, from my perspective, I was seeking out advice and counsel anywhere I could find it. The advice that I kept getting was just forgive, just forgive, be more sexually available, tire him out sexually so that he doesn't resort to those things. Some of these voices were even voices from the church, and this really skewed my perspective of what a marriage is supposed to look like and ultimately the view that God had of me as a wife and the love of God. Because when you start thinking that you can change your spouse by something that you're doing or not doing, ultimately it affects what is God is expecting of me and how does he view me? And so this was a really ugly journey for me, trying to be Michael's Holy Spirit, trying to control the behavior so that I could control my own pain. I thought if I can fix him that will fix me that was one of the biggest lies that the enemy definitely duped me into believing because as i kept trying to fix him all it kept doing was dividing us even more and creating more shame within michael and more division within our marriage. Ultimately it came to the point where we had been seeing a Christian counselor and he had us sign a written document of if Michael relapses again, these are the things that will take place. And the only thing I remember of that document was that he would have to leave the home for a certain amount of time Mm -hmm. and that there would be a separation and that we would agree to this contract. And I believe his motives and intentions were here And I remember that time and so does my goal because for me, it was a living hell because I had to deal with myself because he was not there for me to try to change or. Yeah. So this event happened and he relapsed and I told him, okay, well, we need to follow through with this because the definition of insanity is just repeating the same thing over and over again, thinking it's going to change. And so I was like, okay, you need to leave. And he chose to go live at a certain parent's house that he knew there would be a lot less rules and accountability. And so I knew what this was going to look like, and it wasn't going to look the way that I wanted it to. But it was in that exact moment that the Lord really got a hold of my heart and told me, Heather, your husband may not be willing and ready to change right now, but I know that you are. And when are you going to let me do that for you first and foremost? And so that's where my journey began of starting to look at myself and realizing, Mm -hmm. Heather, you've got a lot of codependency issues. You've got a lot of control issues and ultimately a surrender issue of, will you trust me with your husband? And will you trust me with your own pain? That I'm going to bring good out of this and that there's a lot on this for you too, not just your husband.
0: Wow. So how did Michael get healed? Yeah. I started
1: seeing Heather and pursuing her healing and I started seeing her work on herself and seek after the Lord and face her pain and her brokenness. And when I saw that I was taken off guard, like, why are you working on you? I'm the problem here. I'm the one causing all of this pain in our relationship. And what we've realized now is that our spouse is an agent of healing, that they draw out the worst in us at times. And allows God to refine us in those ways. So Heather was allowing God to refine her in her ways of being codependent and enabling and seeking approval. I had to also be willing to allow God to work on me. But I think what it came down to is I had this issue of control in my life. I was prideful. I was selfish. I wanted things done my way. And unfortunately that bit me in the butt Um, several years ago, probably uh, four years ago now, we were driving home on, on some icy roads. Uh, with the family in the car coming home from friend's house. And my mom had died in a car accident four years earlier in a, in a horrific blizzard, icy wow. road conditions. And here I am on icy roads and there's a car in front of me I going 45 and in a 55 and I was just getting upset. Like, just get out of my way, I'm going to pass this person. And Heather took and looked at me and she said, don't do it. You know, it's not worth the extra minute we'd save. I let off a little bit, but then it got the best of me and I went to pass this car and I put us in a 360 tails and went into the ditch backwards almost hit a telephone pole and my first response was oh thank god we're okay let's get out of here and so we called the tow truck police officers came and here i had my firearm on me i didn't have my wallet i had slippers on in the middle of winter time and I had to deal with the police officers and this just freezing weather. We finally get pulled out of the ditch and Heather looked at me and she said, do not think of the consequences for your actions? And I think in that moment, it really struck me that no, I never really have thought about the consequences for my actions that I've always just been looking out for what I thought I wanted in those moments, rather than looking at how it might hurt my family, how it might hurt my wife, how it might impact other relationships. And so at that point, I decided I need to take a step back from my faith and figure out what it is, what direction it is I want to go in my life. Because I was reading in Joshua, it says each man must decide for himself who he will serve, whether he'll serve the God of his fathers, or whether he'll serve the Lord. He says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so I realized that I had one foot in the church serving Christ, serving on Sundays, going on Sundays, I'm helping out, but then one foot in my flesh watching pornography drinking too much carrying my firearm passing people anger road rage all these other kind of things and I was this double-minded man just one foot in the flesh one foot serving God and so I took two weeks and I asked myself do I want to pursue my flesh if so this is what life would look like if I pursued the desires of my flesh or do I want to pursue God in my relationship with God and healing if so this is what my life will look like wow And that was a turning point for me when I decided, no, I need to serve Christ.
0: This is so powerful. This is so common. What you were saying, this is so many people in the church. I'm so happy that you guys are speaking out and sharing the story. And I'm so glad that you made that powerful choice, Michael. That was a very powerful choice.
1: It was the best decision in in
0: our life. But you had to make the decision. Heather could not make that decision for you. She could want all she wanted for you to get clean, but it didn't matter. This is just so common. We have so many people who want their child to be clean and sober. They want their spouse to show them love, or they want whatever it is that they want. But the power that we have as a spouse is to pray. And also what you did, Heather, was make the choices to get healthy yourself and to walk in that powerful place yourself, not controlling. It's very different. Powerful is different from controlling powerful is knowing who you are and walking with who you are. So (laughs) Michael makes this choice. I want to take
2: responsibility. I want to do what God wants instead of man. The world was pretty flipped upside down (laughs) at that point when this whole incident happened with Michael putting us in the ditch. Things were really bad at that point. I thought Michael had hit rock bottom previously And that definitely wasn't the case. This was definitely the moment. Um, It was almost like the Lord gave me this visual of him having Michael in a headlock. Because after he was starting to doubt his faith and put us in the ditch, our girls were pretty worked up over it too. And he got influenza after that for about 12 days, was out of the count and on the couch. And I could see the Lord doing something. And it was almost as if all of my prayers were funneling in all at the same time. But my mama bear instinct was starting to kick in because now it wasn't just involving me. This was involving my kids. And that was kind of that last straw that I needed to withdraw from that to get out of the way. And ultimately it's finding that line between getting out of the way And yet still having a safety plan and having healthy boundaries and and getting educated in those things, Mm -hmm. because as wives, we do have a place in this story. And even if it's not willing, nobody raises their hand to have a porn addict for a husband. But the thing that we need to realize is that there's so much in this for us too, with our healing, because God chose this man to be my husband and he knew he had the exact sin formula to get me healed as well and vice versa, that like Michael said, we're agents of healing for each other, but it's choosing to have a kingdom perspective to ask the Lord, what do you have for me in this? And we were going through a really hard time. Not only were we dealing with Michael's addiction, but we were going through some really hard stuff with one of our daughters as well. And so it wasn't only just the surrendering of my husband. It was the surrendering with all roles in my life. And I had to learn to bring my Isaac to the altar. And that included my husband and my child. And so it was a storm and God came through big time. That's for sure.
1: So over the next two years, Heather and I both entered into our recovery journey. I, for the first time joined a recovery group because I wanted healing. I've done recovery groups in the past. I've done 12 step recovery groups and pastoral support and counseling, but I've always done it for Heather. And this was the first time I did it for myself. I wanted freedom. I wanted that. And Heather was doing a betrayed wives group and focusing on her healing. I started uh, joining a group that really helped me understand what was happening in my brain when when it comes to pornography because my entire life i've been taught not to do it because it's wrong or not do it because it's sinful but going through this recovery journey i found out so much more about addiction you know, whether it be pornography or, or drugs or alcohol and understanding what happens in our brain and i started seeing how my logical part of my brain my prefrontal cortex was being starved of oxygen my limbic system which is a fight or flight a uh, part of your brain was taking over every single time something came up. I would overreact in anger and rage or and get upset or constantly feel attacked and because I wasn't allowing my brain enough time to process the information. I've trained my brain for so long, fight or flight and escape. And so understanding what was happening in my brain gave me the grace I needed to understand, find healthy tools to break free from those things, establishing healthy boundaries and allowing my brain time to heal because Romans 12, two says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But that doesn't happen instantly. Right. And it's really cool. Our, our brains have neuroplasticity. It has the ability to heal itself, but it takes time. Yes. And I would love to tell you that as soon as I joined a recovery group and as soon as I rededicated my life to Christ, things were perfect and I never relapsed. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the case. -hmm. But it was a continual journey of renewing
0: my mind. And I think the other thing is, when you relapse, this is one thing I think for people who feel hopeless, you rededicated your life to the Lord. When you relapse, those relapses were different. God was doing something in you that was unique. There was something in you that moved where it's like, I actually want to get clean, where before it was like, oh crap, I got caught. Oh, this is annoying. There wasn't that real heart desire. To want to actually get clean. I'm just speaking this for people who feel hopeless when they do relapse. God's in it, even when you relapse and he's doing something new and different. And that is how Romans 12, two happens, even though that it's slow, Heather, you're healing, Michael, you're getting more and more healed. Tell me where you guys are at now. What's God doing in your life now? Tell me about triggered, tell our audience about triggered.
1: Looking back in the journey and all the brokenness that we've had in our marriage and individual lives, there's a verse in Genesis that says, what the enemy intends for evil, God will use for good. And in Revelations, it says, the enemy will be overcome by the power of the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. And as we were going through this recovery journey, I was with a great group of guys where we learned to be vulnerable with each other and honest and open. And we were encouraged to reach out to each other. I think no matter what counselor you're seeing or pastor you're seeing or recovery group you're in, you're going to get the advice to reach out to somebody, have an accountability partner. But there was a moment where I was feeling really tempted to relapse. And I started texting my group with this long message about my temptations. And the enemy convinced me, no, Michael, do it on your own. You don't need to reach out. You know, that's embarrassing or they're busy. Don't send that message. So I deleted my text message. And I relapsed. And I told the, the group the next day, and when we were all meeting, I said I, I was going to reach out, but I didn't. Um, I know I should have. I got this visual, this vision of this big red easy button we see in commercials. You know, on the Staples commercial. And I said, what if we had that big red easy button? That as soon as you're feeling tempted, as soon as you're feeling triggered or wanting to isolate, or you're feeling like anger is spurring up in you and bitterness, resentment, anytime those feelings start happening, what if all it took was, was just one click of that to let your group know, hey, I'm struggling right now. I could, yes. use, a, I could use some support. And all those guys said, yes, absolutely. I need something like that. And it just sat there for the next probably a year until God said, Michael, there's nothing out there like that you need to develop this. Um, I've been a software developer and God has kind of prepared us to take this leap of faith to use the brokenness and the hurt and the things we've learned through our struggles and my addiction to help others. And so we developed the Triggered app something that's been a recent journey of ours. We've been on for the last year. We've been doing marriage coaching and taking marriages back for the kingdom of God, helping marriages overcome sexual brokenness and addictions. And it's just been an incredible journey.
0: So you have a company now that you've created called Triggered and the website is triggered.app. So people can actually go and they can individually purchase this app. And the app allows people to basically be able to push a button and it goes out to all of their support networks. So all the people that are there, like the guys you were saying that you were supporting or that were supporting you and staying clean, it goes out to them in those moments where you're a mess. It's really hard when you're in those moments because it's almost like you feel like you can't function. The less to do, the better. (laughs) So being able to just go to this app is a life changer. And I'm so happy that you guys created this company and you are going to be launching a group application for this. So like churches will be able to download it. Companies will be able to basically purchase applications for it. It is a newer company. I would speak out to our audiences that they're actually looking for support too, for contacts, for people to meet with them, open doors for different opportunities. They're putting their story out there. And to me, your story is what makes the difference. I mean, when people see how real both of you are and what you guys both went through and what you're still going through, and it's still a process. I just really think people need to know about this company and what you
2: guys are doing. Thank you. That means a lot. It's been a journey, but like Michael said, we want to use everything that has been used against us and now shove that back and use it to help give freedom to others. So we're really excited about what's to come and offering people the accountability and making vulnerability a little bit easier because we know that's the key to freedom. Would
0: you be willing to pray for our listeners and specifically for the things that you have both struggled with? Because you have freedom in that and there's authority over that when we overcome it.
1: Now, Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for this opportunity to share our story on Heidi's podcast, Lord. I thank you for what Heidi does and the ways that she impacts her listeners. Uh, Father, I pray for each one listening right now, Lord, that they would hear this story of brokenness, but to see the hope in our story, Lord. God, that in the midst of struggles with addiction and betrayal, Lord, you are present. And Father, you want to free us from those things. So Father, I pray that you would give these listeners the hope that they need to cling to your truth and and the hope that you provide. Father, that you want to come alongside of us in this journey, Lord, that you never shame us in our brokenness, Lord, that you are glorified and honored when we come to you broken and and willing to ask you to help us, Lord. And so, Father, I pray that chains would be broken, chains of addiction, chains of self-performance and and, anger, whatever it might be, Lord, I pray for freedom.
2: And I pray for every wife on this journey with her husband, whether it be pornography, drugs, or alcohol, or anger. I pray for every wife struggling, wondering if this is her fault. I release them from that false spirit of responsibility, that they would find freedom in their emotional health in their spiritual health and mental health, that they would experience the freedom that you died for them to have Jesus, that you would meet them in their place of brokenness and that you would just be able to sit there with them and that they would let you love them right where they're at, that this woman listening would know that she is enough and that this is not her fault, but that once she has experienced your love, that she'd be able to stand up and then walk in the direction of the way that you are pointing, which is to freedom, wholeness and health. So Lord, bring her people that she needs to do this journey with. We know that freedom is costly and it requires sacrifice. So bring clarity to what sacrifices need to be made and do not let her do this journey alone. May you be her best friend and bring her the resources and the help that she needs to do this journey and to do it well so that then she can be a beacon of hope to so many others looking for the light. We thank you for redemption. And we thank you for the abundant life that you died for us to have, Jesus. This is all for you and your glory.
0: I wanna break off lies that because the rest of the world does it, it's normal and accepted. So I just break off those lies. And I also break the lie that you're being prude or not expressing your sexuality by engaging in those activities. I break those lies right now in the name of Jesus. And I just pull forth from heaven the purity and the desire that God has designed for our bodies. And we just release the testimony that Michael and Heather have, that you can get healed. You can be aware, self-aware, and be real and vulnerable with yourself, mostly, and with God. And so I just pray for the grace over our listeners to, be, to break pride, that they have to do this on their own, and that it's okay that we are broken. The three of us are broken and you can hear we're talking, we're still smart people. Being broken doesn't mean that you're not functioning. It just means that you're broken before the Lord and he comes in in and heals you. So we just pray for the grace, for that healing, for that realness and that raw vulnerable place of we don't know what we're doing, but we give it all to you, God. And I just pray for blessing over the listeners as they download the app, and they share this information with the people that they know. We thank you, Lord. We just give you all the glory and the blessing. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Strong Tower Mental Health Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen. Your review helps the show reach more people and spread mental health awareness with Jesus at the Center. You can also check me out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or my website at HeidiMortensenLMFT.com. See you at our next episode.